0: Hi, this is Sheila E and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. You
1: This is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 153. My name is Brando. Coming up momentarily, the queen of percussion, Sheila E. I mean, she is an icon in the industry, uh, perhaps most famous for working with Prince. Uh, Today, we're specifically going to focus on uh, her brand new song with the... The man, the myth, the legend, one Snoop Dogg. But shizzle (laughs) dazzle. Snoop Dogg and Sheila E. have a brand new song and video out called No Line. And of course, we're going to find some uh, six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon to connect to Sheila E. So we will see where that takes us. And then after uh, we speak with Sheila, we're going to speak with David Holmes. He is uh, from London. He's from the U.K., and he is just a regular guy, just like you or I, unless you're a woman. He's just a regular person, just like you or I. And it's going to be uh, another edition, and I haven't done it in a while, uh, a fan obsession, These uh, a fan segment for you to talk about your Guns N' Roses fandom, your Guns N' Roses experiences. You don't have to be famous to have a good story, and that's something that I, I I've done in the past, with uh, Sir Kevin from Ireland, from, uh, from Tomislav, from Croatia, and, and many others. Some of you have, who have co-hosted episodes where before we interviewed somebody, we got a little bit of your story. So I want to get more of your stories on the podcast, especially when we do shorter interviews, because I, I just don't want to give you a 10-minute podcast, a 15-minute podcast. I want to make this a full episode. So uh, we got Sheila E., and then we're to speak with uh, David from the U.K. for the Fan Obsession segment. But first, on the line with us right now is the queen of percussion, Sheila E., and I'm in such a good mood, not just to speak with such an icon of the industry, but uh, Sheila, I just watched your, your new video for No Line uh, with Snoop Dogg, and just what a positive song, positive video, just a good time. Uh, how are you doing?
0: Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm doing great.
1: Now, I know you have mentioned in other interviews that you and Snoop Dogg have been friends for a long time. You've, you've wanted to collaborate for quite some bit. But I'm curious, do you remember the first time that you and Snoop actually met?
0: Wow, I do not remember because it was so long ago. I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't answer that question.
1: I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere about when you meet Snoop that you may not remember it shortly thereafter
0: yeah not me that would be (laughs) yeah i'm sure there's a joke no not me uh i mean you know most likely a lot of the times we we meet different artists uh either at events you know some kind of charity event or you know like um uh, one of the television shows having to do with music you know um and that's a lot of the times where we meet people on the red carpet, things like that. But I have no idea when I actually have to ask him. I don't think he remembers either.
1: That would not surprise me. Now, in addition to, to Snoop and all the other artists that you meet at these events, I have to imagine, more often than not, you are always approached to collaborate.
0: Uh, Yes, it does, actually. Um, we, all, we don't always get to do it at the time that we talk about it, which is what happened with Snoop and I, I mean, we've been talking about collaborating for a long time, and I had a song for him to do a while ago, actually on the Iconic record, I wanted him to be on that, but, you know, because of scheduling, and and a lot of people, where everyone's busy doing their thing, it's just the scheduling, but Nowadays, uh, because of technology, we're able to send someone a file and they can do it. We actually don't have to be in the room with them. So it makes it a little bit better, but, you know, you do miss that opportunity to be with that person in the studio. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really cool. I mean, there's so many people that I want to work with. And I have a bucket list of, of artists I'd like to work with, but it's always based on scheduling. That's, that's our, our only challenge.
1: Well, thankfully, you were able to get together in person with Snoop a little bit because he was in the video for for No Line. You guys were dancing the streets of, oh, yeah, where, the streets of where? Where is the, the beautiful city that you were walking around?
0: <laughs> yeah, walking the streets of, oh, yeah, where were we? It, it was Cancun. We were in Cancun when I shot that video. I shot, uh, and that was in March, I shot uh, two videos in Cancun while I was there performing for a week, and uh when i when snoop I saw him uh like about three or four months ago, and uh, this all happened pretty quickly at the event that we were uh I was hosting for the Grammys um uh I told him I had a song, and um I said, but now, after he gave me uh the song back the next day, I said, we gotta get in the you know get you in the video so um, again, I was out on tour, so as he um, we scheduled a date, what day was he going to be home, and um, we went to his studio, which would be the easiest thing to do. Instead of trying to find a location, it was better just to, he's going to be in the studio working, let me just go there and, and film us together at the studio.
1: If you are able to, if you can pick one thing that, that motivates you to keep going in your already historic career, whether it's it's touring, as you mentioned, you're on tour right now, if it's collaborating with those artists that you have yet to collaborate with, is it to make new music? Can you pick one thing that still motivates you?
0: Uh, it, no, life keeps me going, just living, just enjoying. Uh, it. In a sense, it doesn't have anything to do with music, but it does because music is my life. So <clears throat> if I'm living and enjoying, you know, I, I'm involved in so many things. I just love the, I guess all of the things that come with music, the music business and um, venturing off, like say for instance music is the foundation of who I am and what I do and these branches that continue to grow as I move into other areas of the business and uh, collaborating and doing different things. I mean it's still an extension of who I am and that's what I love and there's some things you never thought you would do. Um, you know, one door opens another if, if it's the right door. And, you know, a lot of the no's doesn't mean that I couldn't. It might have been not the right time or with the right people, you know. Um, and I've been fortunate to work with so many great people. I have a good team of people with me in my corner, and my band is incredible. So, I mean, all of these things come into play, and family and uh, just enjoying life. It, it's But I, we do seriously i'm no no joke if anyone spent i would say twenty four hours three days maybe you you could not last a week with us because the the scheduling is insane, and I say yes to everything that I do i mean it's my fault, but I take full responsibility, but you know when you go, you go, and it is grueling and it's so hard and challenging. I've been shooting my documentary for like three over three and a half years off and on. And when I had the crew out for one run that we had, and they're just saying, this is crazy. I said, you're on the easy one. I I chose the easier one for you guys because I know how grueling it is. It's not for everyone.
1: So I'm sure you've noticed the name of my podcast, and there is a Guns N' Roses theme, so I try to find a connection between, whether it's obvious or not, between all my guests and, and GNR. So notably, Duff McKagan has the Prince logo on his base. So I am curious if you have ever worked with any of the GNR guys, if you want to perhaps uh, like you just did a collaboration with Snoop who's a hip hop artist of course, but if you would like to do more maybe hard rock stuff in the future, have you ever, you know, perhaps worked with Slash since he's collaborated with so many as well.
0: Yeah, we uh, he and I met a long time ago as well and I think we worked on a project together. I can't remember what it was but I mean I love rock and roll I was telling someone earlier today in one of the interviews I'm working on five records and uh, at the same time as well as a couple of books and other stuff I'm doing but um, I always wanted to be in a rock and roll band I love rock and roll and uh, even there's one song that we play in the show called Rockstar and I get to play guitar rock guitar but I also love playing drums on rock and roll as well but you know i'm doing five different p- projects with different genres of music and uh, it's all a part of who i am i sometimes call the overall thing the three faces of e because there are so many faces it's not just three but it's um music is influencing m- who i am as an artist and sometimes you you know growing up listening to grateful dead carlos santana uh jefferson starship uh jefferson airplane you know um, all of these bands. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty amazing for me. I think I I was born in a good time where I got to see a lot of those bands play live at a young age, and end up being their friends and then getting getting to jam with them. I mean, that doesn't always happen, so it's pretty awesome.
1: Absolutely, pretty awesome. And I think this is awesome. And I know you got to run in just a minute, but I got a message to read to you, and this is actually. Another connection between Sheila E. And, and Guns N' Roses. So when I announced that I was going to interview you, uh, Chris Weber, guitarist Chris Weber, reached out to me, and he was in a band called Hollywood Rose uh, before Guns N' Roses became GNR. So uh, he wanted to let you know that he is grateful that he was able to use your percussion when he was recording the new Hollywood Rose. This was without Axel at Paisley Park in 1986. I recorded there with Prince's engineer, Jonathan Aker. Prince was getting ready for the Love Sexy Tour. He came in and hung with us for a bit while we were tracking. Super cool guy. Sheila's paste plate symbol was used on a song which was placed in the movie Miami Blues, recorded by me and the new Hollywood Rose. Oh, how I miss the 80s.
0: Wow, I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool, right? So uh, Chris wanted me to reach out to, to you and uh also mentioned how prince invited them down to the metro dome for that show that night and you just rocked the house so he wanted to express to his love for you and your music.
0: Oh, thank you. That's pretty awesome. I really appreciate that. That's uh cool. Should I should, should you go back to him and say do I do I get a a, a fee for um Running out the gear. I mean, I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will absolutely pass that message along. I'm sure he will appreciate it. Sheila, thank you so much for your time today. And I guess appreciate getting to speak with you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: So the great Sheila E., It's she doesn't remember the first time she met Snoop Dogg, but then again, if you're enjoying your time with Snoop Dogg, you really shouldn't remember the first time you hang out with him.
0: Smoke weed every
1: day. And also, she doesn't remember what she did with Slash. Now, uh, after I did the interview, I wish I had a producer who could have called it up during the interview. Uh, but maybe they had done something else. But she and Slash were, uh, they were temporary House band members for George Lopez, the comedian. He had a short-lived uh, talk show on, I think it was on TBS. Uh, I don't know how universal the TBS channel is. But they were in a house band together for George Lopez. So that that counts for the six degrees of, of GNR Bacon. And I still need to make a soundbite, a, a bacon, GNR Bacon soundbite. So uh, some people like, like Sheila E or... Maybe not as scared to be like, why is he talking about Guns N' Roses all of a sudden when it has nothing, you know? She's not promoting anything having to do with uh with GKR. So since uh, that was a, a short interview, I want to make this episode longer and something that I've wanted to to get back to for, for quite some time, and that are that is fan interviews. Now we we've done them in the past, perhaps at the beginning of this podcast when I. I had no idea we can reach the heights that we've had as far as guests. You know, the the Alice Coopers, the Dave Mustaines. This was just, you know, let me let me talk to you out there, the listeners. You don't, you don't have to be famous to have a good story. Obviously, it'll help uh, raise the profile of my podcast if you're famous, but uh, it doesn't take away from a conversation, the enjoyment of a conversation, if if you're famous or not. So you may remember we spoke to Sir Kevin from Ireland who told a very serious story about how he used to listen to Appetite for Destruction underneath his bed as a child while his parents would fight. Or we talked to uh, Tomislav from Croatia, where when he was fighting in the Yugoslavian War, he would listen to the cassette of uh, of Appetite where he was getting grenades thrown at him. So obviously there's some crazy GNR stories that have yet to be shared by you. So I, I put out there on social media, maybe you saw I. I put it out there that I want to get your stories. I want to start doing these fan profiles uh, again. And many of you reached out, including uh, on the line all the way from, I don't want to say the UK. Are you calling from from London, David? Where exactly are you calling from? I'm
2: calling from uh, Newcastle, which is in the, the northeast of England.
1: Okay, very cool. I can tell from uh, your accent. And you were worried about your accent. And we've had, you know, Remco from, from Amsterdam. That's what's been beautiful about... This podcast, and thank you for you know reaching out. Of course, wanting to to talk about Guns N' Roses and your experiences, but just to to listen to the podcast, this is what's been great. we I've been connecting to people all over the world. Something that I obviously I don't travel that much. I I have yet to go overseas. So, but I've been able to go overseas plenty of times via via Skype. <laughs> I guess in in this case. So, uh, David Holmes, he's going to tell us his GNR story. And I said, I do have a, a soundbite. So it's been a while since I have played fan. Session. I didn't say it was a good soundbite. I just said it was a <laughs> soundbite. So fan obsession, that's going to be the name of this segment. So, uh, David, you, you wrote me a, or Dave, which one do you prefer? I want to make sure I get Dave. it. Dave. Yeah. All right. You got it. So Dave, since we're friends, um, you wrote me a long letter about your your GNR history so uh where does it where does it start for you like where like how did you first discover this band and and well this is this is your seg- segment take us uh
2: take us away your your GNR fandom well i think brando i discovered them um it was june 87 um I, can't, I was I was living in London and I was working in London at the time and I had a friend of mine who uh, who rang us up and said that he, will, he was coming down to see a band at the Marquee, and uh, to be honest, I'd never heard of the band. He had, he did mention it was Guns and Roses, and I was more interested in going because I wanted to see the Marquee because it's very you know there's a lot of bands played there over the years. How old were you by the way in
1: 1987?
2: I was, oh, I was I was 18. It was a long time ago. 18, like, you th- said. Yeah, it was, wow. uh, it, it was a perfect time, to be honest. To Oh, me. okay. In
1: 1987, <laughs> I was four. Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> you, just old now, you look good. I get to see you on Skype. You look very
2: young. <laughs> Thank you. I've had an easy paper round, is what they say, in uh, the UK. <laughs> and so he, he rang us up and uh, I said, well, I, actually, I had a friend staying with us at the time. I can't remember why, but he just come down to spend a couple of days in London with us. So uh, me and my friend met him and his friend in uh, in London in sorry in what in Soho and uh, the old Wardour Street where the Marquee was, and this was the third night of the three night residency that did in 1987. Okay. Um, to be honest, I can't remember whether I had a ticket or whether we just paid on a door. I can't remember buying a ticket, but. Um, we went. I remember standing outside. It was a it was a it was a hot night. It was it was um, it, it, there was a lot of people queuing outside, and we joined the queue. Um, and I do remember um, now. You know, I'm pretty sure it was Slash walking up to people in the queue, asking if anybody had any drugs. Mm. Now, this it sounds quite bizarre, but um, it 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 happened. I swear to God, this happened, and. Um, at the time, I didn't have any drugs, so I couldn't help him. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was. <laughs> at I was, the time. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 at the time. That, that came later, the experimental, uh, the experimentation. No judgment. Um, but yeah, so we got in, and um, I mean, I was used to gigs at the time uh, at my local. Um, theatre at Newcastle City Hall I went to see a lot of gigs there it was all very civilised you know you had your own seats you know everyone stood up but it was all very civilised and this was the first gig I'd been to like a club you know like a like a pub like a club where you know it was everyone for himself you know and uh, from what I remember it was absolute mayhem it was stoved out it was um very very hot um about the gig itself I can remember, I remember your Crazy being played and the covers of um, Knocking on Heaven's Door and uh, Whole Lot of Rosie because Appetite wasn't out so I'd never heard anything by them. There was a famous cover on Kerrang, I think Mick Wall shot it, uh, not Mick Wall, uh, Ross Alton shot it, where they're all lying down when they are all got their heads together and they're okay. looking at the ceiling. Um, it may have even been before that. I can't remember whether I'd heard of them, I'm pretty sure I hadn't. But yeah, and that th- that was it. It was um hot, it was sweaty, it was um it was a bit of a baptism of fire for someone who's used to just, you know, standing in my little seat in my little civilized gigs. And uh, but I remember enjoying it, it was good.
1: So that did that change your trajectory? Like what kind of music were you into? Was oh, it all hard
2: rock for you? Yeah, uh, I mean I started off the first band I saw was uh A C D C nineteen eighty two. I was fourteen, I think, or 13 or 14 um or no, 12 I think I was 12 I can't remember but yeah and, and you know I sort of ACDC well like me me gateway band I like to call it into hard rock uh, and from then it was Ozzy Osbourne uh, Saxon, Nine Maiden, Dio, Kiss, Motley Crue but when these came along um they were, they were different totally different attitude was different um the energy was different And um, they were outstanding back in the day.
1: Were your your friends, were they they like you? Did they become as obsessed as you? Or did you kind of, like many GNR fans, I don't know, I feel like sometimes we're just Lone Rangers.
2: Uh, (laughs) Uh, You can't pluralize
1: Lone, but you know what I mean. How can you
2: pluralize the Lone Ranger? Yeah, a couple of them did. The guy who rang us up and suggested I go with him, he, he was a rocker through and through um i later went to Daunton in an 88 with him but i'm getting a bit ahead of myself there um uh, but yeah we, we were pretty uh, we were we were all just heavy metal kids and we're you know and we're and we're late teens you know just um enjoying the freedom really it was it was great it was a good time
1: you mentioned in the, the letter, uh, or I don't want to say letter, make it sound like it's sent by Carrier Pigeon, on the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Facebook message that you sent me, that you guys bumped into Stephen Adler as well? Yeah, that friend. was
2: um, the next day. Um, myself, the, well, the two lads that came down from my hometown of South Shields, um, they'd gone. Now, I can't remember when they went. They must have went after the gig or maybe early morning. I don't, I'm, I'm sure they went after the gig. And uh, myself and my friend who was staying with us, we went back to Soho, and we were just wandering around New- uh, London, doing nothing. We went into an arcade, and uh, there was Steven Adler playing um, playing on the arcades. Now, I recognized him instantly, obviously, but me and my friend were kind of like, oh, you know, is that him, are we sure, is that is that the guy? But uh, we could see that, you know, he's tattooed with the rose and the two drumsticks. Mm. Um, he had a sleeveless top on. We went over. We said hi, you know. Said we enjoyed the gig last night, and uh, and I can't remember what he said. I think he said, "Yeah, it's great being here," and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you're talking about, you know, the days before photos on cameras, so I don't have any photos. Of that. I wish I did. I <laughs> wish I did. Well, you've you've been to
1: some other memorable shows since then. So I'm hoping, as as time has gone by, you've been able to, to collect. Whether it be tickets or or photos, what are some other shows that you've been to that were uh, iconic by today's standards? Iconic. Um, that's. I think because I'm, I'm reading Donington. I'm reading Wembley.
2: Yeah, Donington was. Um, Donington was in '88, and that was my first kind of like day-long festival. You know, I've been to a few festivals since, not not really. You know, um, not like Download, where it's all hard rock. I've been to a lot of Glastonbury festivals. But uh, I was 18, and, you know, again, we kind of decided just to go. We we thought we'd just buy tickets on the day. We drove down. We were 18. We were stupid. We thought, you know, we'll not take a tent. We'll sleep in the car. Everything will be fine. Um, we got tickets. We didn't get any sleep in the car. Um, first night, first band on the bill, Halloween. Wasn't oh, a big fan of them at the okay. time. Okay. Yeah, um, I remember them being okay, nothing special. Guns N' Roses were up next. Um, that was uh, memorable for a couple of reasons, mainly because um, tragically there was a couple of kids killed in the push. There was an almighty surge down towards the front yeah. when they came on, and it was uh, an eye-opening experience. I mean, I'd never been to an outdoor gig like that before in my life. That was the first time, and. Um, I just remember everyone was just kind of keeping each other up. People were going down. People were getting held, you know, picked up again. The band played. I remember them being good. Um, they slowed it down. Axel slowed it down. Made an announcement from the stage that um, people were getting hurt down the front. Yeah. Um, they did patience, um, and then they finished the set and off they went. Um, um, it wasn't until the next day that um when I got home my parents were worried sick I knew nothing about this because nothing was announced to the crowd I ain't made more headline than that that
1: year and it's before social media so it's not you wouldn't have known at, the, yeah. at that time
2: right yeah it was it was I mean it was great I mean social media it, it, it's fantastic for a number of reasons but I also find it really really annoying you know and really Agreed. intrusive as well Um, Can I swear, by the way, can I say shit? Uh, Yeah, you can fucking say whatever you want. uh, Oh, goodness. I skirted around that like, but... Give me a a good curse
1: word from where you're from that we wouldn't use here in
2: Um, New York. You probably wouldn't say bollocks.
1: Yeah, we don't say bollocks at all.
2: No, you know, bollocks is you know underused in the USA, from what I understand. So maybe you can get that started off, you know. All right. If it wasn't for the
1: Sex Pistols, I probably would never have heard. Yeah, yeah. Of well, bollocks. When
2: I've heard when I've heard Americans talk about that, they always say bollocks. They don't say bollocks, which bollocks. is bollocks. Yeah. What is that? Bollocks. Does that just mean bullshit? No, it's uh, 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 it's like your your balls, your testicles, well, your gonads. Uh, then what's uh... a <laughs> Uh, I, I know this
1: one from uh the Great Ali G. Uh what's bellend? Bellend. Yeah, that is the end of your knob,
2: the end of your
1: <laughs> <laughs> We got really bad curse words here in America. We got up our game.
2: <laughs> I think I think I think uh British in um general seem to be a bit more imaginative, you yes. know. <laughs> We we like to throw words in that that don't go together, but together make a great swear word like ass candle, twat basket, uh, <laughs> twat basket, cock not... womble. There's another one that uh, you can you know
1: feel free to use them. Those <laughs> all sound like Chinese democracy B sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, could well be. So yeah, done. And um get better. Yeah, it was. Great. Um, I fell asleep during Megadeth because I was very tired of being up all nights trying to get asleep sleep in a car with four other blokes snoring. Okay. Um, and then Dave Lee Roth played. He was good. Kiss. Yeah, they were okay. And Iron Maiden, who uh, I really liked at the time. But by the time, you know, by the time all the Sunset Strip stuff started to become popular, I, I totally lost interest in Iron Maiden. Mm. All right. Fair enough. Now,
1: you went to another major show, Wembley, with Skid Row and Nine Inch Nails. Oh, was, yeah. Uh, man. Izzy's that, last that, show, right?
2: Yeah, that 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 was good. Um number of reasons. A, I'd never been to Wembley, which was like, you know, it's like the football, or sorry, the soccer um, mecca for any uh, Englishman. You know, I'd never been there to see a soccer game. But uh, yeah, I was, again, I was still living down there at the time. Three of my friends came down, so we all went. I remember Nine Inch Nails being, uh, yeah, they were good. Um, I wasn't that into them. I got more into them around about the time of the Downward Spiral. Um, I wasn't that into them at the time. Skid Row were, uh, well, they were Skid Row, really. they memorable for, um, they'd been taught not to sing Get the Fuck Out. They just released the second album, or they're about to release the second album. And they had a letter from the council saying, uh, do not sing this song. Of course, Sebastian back from the stage, got everybody to shout, get the fuck out, get the <laughs> fuck out. And they played it anyway, you know. It was all good, good old fun. And Guns were good. Uh, I remember, for me, it wasn't the same. It, it wasn't the same, you know, as like the intimacy of the other gigs because I'd caught them at the Hammersmith Odeon um, on the Appetite Tour. And they were, they were very good that night as well. And I'd caught them in Newcastle in my hometown. Um, but... The outdoor gigs were good, but um, yeah, yeah, I prefer intimacy, to be honest with you, Brando. I mean, it, it turned out met to be memorable because it was Izzy's last gig with the band as a full-time member. I know he came back once or twice to help him out. Right. But uh, yeah, it, it was kind of bizarre once Izzy had gone, in my opinion. I'd let it go by that point. They had um, Matt Sorum in. They were as of dumb, don't get me wrong, but... Um, I think he lacked Adler's swing. You know, it was uh, a different sound altogether without Adler.
1: Yeah, and I I definitely respect that opinion. And I wanted to get to something that you wrote in the uh, the Facebook message about (laughs) uh, Izzy. Because I was going to ask, and I I will ask any, you know, uh, listeners who do this Fan Obsession segment, your first show, and take us through all the other shows. Mm -hmm. But you haven't been to any of the Not in This Lifetime,
2: right? No I haven't been to any they did play London and uh we hummed and hard about going but uh, in the end I really didn't fancy it um so part of it was financial and part part of it was because it wasn't quite Well, It's hard to explain it wasn't it it wasn't how I exp- how I wanted it to be I knew it would be big and it wouldn't be intimate um and I felt without the original five. Um, I wasn't missing anything, if that makes any sense. Although I've got nothing against any of the other players. Um, I did see them in 2000, let me think, 2006. I did see the Axel Chinese Democracy Okay. Uh, line up with Fortis. Um I think Ron, Ron Thal and was playing with them. Tommy Stinson, who I admire as a base player. And, you know, that... <laughs> It was good for what it was. It was it was a bit like you know me and my friend went we were big Guns fans and we kind of you know no disrespect intended we kind of treated as Guns and Roses karaoke, and mm. it was good we enjoyed it. Um, it was during the I think Axel was 45 minutes late getting on stage and according to the local press, he wanted a shepherd's pie before he went on stage, which is <laughs> like yeah you know I mean I, uh, I don't know whether there was any truth in that or not, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I do admire Axel for that in a way, although it's extremely annoying. I find it extremely funny at the same time that, you know, <laughs> oh, I just do what I like. my dog's middle name's Axel.
1: okay. Yeah. Your dog's middle name is
2: Axel, yeah. not his yeah. first name. No, not uh, his first name. We decided on a, on a middle name. Okay.
1: You, know? <laughs> you might so, see that with a child, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know there's yeah. a lot of kids yeah. who named uh Axel, but yeah, not every pet has a uh, middle name, man. <laughs> I respect. <that>. So <laughs> What's I've his always first admired. Name? What's his first name? What's the dog's first name? Bowser. Bowser. Okay, Bowser Axel. All
2: right. Bowser Axel. Yeah, I like it. So, I've always admired. I admired anybody, and um, especially Axel's victory or death attitude. Um, but you know, like I said before, it, it it can it can grate a little at times, you know. But, but I, I I do respect the. Um, the unwillingness to compromise, if you like, or what was happening back in 2006. Anyway, I don't think that's happening now.
1: Okay. All right on. So it's yeah. it, I was I was I'm surprised then you went to the uh, 2006 version because
2: I know you would I, think I would I, go to the not in this lifetime. I mean, if if not in this lifetime, had played somewhere nearer you know, somewhere a bit further up north or maybe in Scotland, which the main played. I can't remember. But I think I had other gigs on the horizon, to be honest, Brando. I, I travelled down to see Pearl Jam in, uh, in London and that turned out to be costly because when I got there, they'd... Uh, on the night, we actually arrived at the uh, the, the O2 and they'd cancelled. So mm. uh, I had to basically cut my losses and go home and, and come back for the rescheduled gig. And uh, my friend couldn't come with us, so my wife came with us. We had a great time, don't get us wrong, and they were outstanding. They always are, you know. It was 3 hours set. It was a fantastic show. But... Uh, I'm uh, I'm waffling a bit now going on a Pearl Jam. But I,
1: <laughs> I, I like, which is fine, but I, I like your perspective, and it's another reason why I like doing this podcast, and not just to talk to to people from different countries, but the, the age bracket in which you discovered GNR. As you, we discussed earlier, you, know, you were 18 in 1987. Yeah. I was four, so I never got to see Axel and Slash on stage my, together. My first... Guns N' Roses' show was with Buckethead in 2002. So, yeah. you know, I had to see Not In This Lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it could have exploded the next day. I mean, we none of us thought this would be lasting for,
2: you know, three years. Yeah, uh, of but, course. I mean, I, if I hadn't have seen them back in the day, I would have I, I gone to that. That makes tweet. sense. Yeah. It, you, you know, um, but let's say part of it was financial. You know, part of it was, um, you know, just I, I'd seen them, you know, Um
1: and It's, well, it's know, expensive,
2: like, just what we were
1: you were talking about. It is an expensive show to go to, you know, yeah. no matter where yeah. you are. And I guess it's just kind of par for the course. I mean, how many artists today are really that cheap? But I don't know. I mean, th- th- I guess that's a whole other conversation in itself. Well,
2: well, it is. It's 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 you know they don't make any money from record sales anymore, right? Um, you know, and uh, most of it's streaming. You know, uh, I'm. I, 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 I don't know the full facts. From what I understand, the chairman of Spotify is a billionaire, and, the, and he pays the, the, the artists to get a pittance. You know, I, I could be wrong on that. I'm not sure. That's what I understand, but I, 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 I don't really have any facts to back that up. But you know, that's um, so. You know, bands cut the losses and bands charge more for, um, for tickets and um, to put on a good show. You know, they, they play for longer, um, that is but true. it just wasn't right for me at that time. You know. No, that that absolutely
1: makes sense. Uh, I think, and it's, as you mentioned, it's no slight to any of the other players. You know, and as someone who has never seen the Appetite Five, that's something that I oh. really want to see, and I really still hope that it happens. So, I'll, yeah. I, am I to assume that'll be the if that were to happen, uh, that'll be the next time we see GNR, or is it oh, still it, con- you're still open to, you know, whenever, not in this lifetime. So oh, you're just not going to do it? Just not going
2: to happen for you? I would never say never. You know, I, um, I would like to see them again. I would. Um, I was impressed with the, I know you call it, Axel DC. I thought he sounded pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, on paper, I thought that was a really bad idea. And, uh, you know, I loved AC dc from, um, from being 11, 12 year old. Um, but on the clips I saw, I, I, I thought they were very, very good. You know,
1: that's something uh, I, I think you should pay for, right? As you mentioned, AC/DC got you really into hard rock. Yeah, I, I think just like you, many of us we saw Axl Rose, AC/DC. How is this going to work? But <laughs> I, I, I'm if I'm lying, I'm dying. That Axel DC show, uh, he has never sang better. I don't know what it is, maybe because he only did uh, an hour and a half as opposed to three and a half hours. And mm-hmm. he was just, it was like full rasp. It was like just, he sang better with them. And you can, his attitude, he was like smiling and laughing. And, and with, with Angus, it was, it was really interesting. You got to see uh, Axel the rock star up there, but you mm-hmm. kind of got to see Axel the kid up there who was playing yep. with this hero. So it was a really interesting dynamic. And obviously we all hope Brian Johnson is okay. But it would be a shame if uh, Axl DC never did anything uh, again. But,
2: well, I think from what I've heard, Brian Johnson's okay, and um, he's had a second opinion, and he's recording with them now. I don't know whether there's any truth in that, but yeah, that's uh, the know.
1: rumor mill uh, that they were caught in in, in Vancouver. But yeah. you never know. Uh, if anything, I just hope that whatever their new record may be, that there's at least one Axl Rose track on there, maybe a duet with Brian Johnson. But that's mm-hmm. that's just yeah. me hoping uh but but speaking of songs before I, I, I let you go i don't know uh it's it's not too late for you which is uh which is nice sometimes i feel bad w- scheduling these interviews for with people who are overseas and i have to try to be respectful uh, oh it's fine
2: brandon it's fine. what would you say is your favorite guns N' roses song that is a tough one um i, I think for sheer attitude um it's so easy, still sounds menacing to this day. I really love that track, and it really gets goosebumps up every time it comes on. Um, but, you know, I, I had a bit of a Facebook um, conversation w- with my friends a while back where I jokingly said November Rain was the greatest song ever written. Um, because, it's my favorite it's, song. <laughs> it's it, well, it's, it's you know what, it is? It's, it's cheesy, it's overblown, but it's fantastic, man. That's me, yeah,
1: I guess. I'm cheesy and overblown, so I get well, it.
2: Well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with cheesy and overblown, you know? <laughs> And, and, you know, every and, and that solo went, you know, that, that, that slash solo in there yeah. is, is outstanding. And, and I had a bit of an argument with Frank because he preferred estranged, And I was going, no, 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 no. It's got to be November Rain. It's got to be November Rain. But, yeah, I would say it would probably, I would probably have to say go with it, um, uh It's so easy, Brando.
1: You I know? can't go wrong there. Uh, do you have a, a favorite piece of GNR memorabilia?
2: Um, I've still got my the '88 shirt, which still fits. Nice. Um, which, yeah, which isn't bad. considering I'm, I'm you know, I'm middle aged now. I'm getting old. <laughs> um, it does still fit. I do still wear it at the odd gig. Um, but apart from that, no, I I lost most of it. I've got ticket stubs from Wembley. I've got tickets. I've got my ticket from um, Gateshead Stadium, which was a gig the did on the Illusion tour, which is really close to where I live. Um, but I haven't got my City Hall one, and I haven't got the Marquee one. I've got my Black Crows one at the Marquee, which was okay. the first me, which, which is which I would never throw away. <laughs> okay, I look after that. I got that with my life. What about you? Have you got anything good? Have you got anything stashed away? Memorabilia. Well, I'm
1: finally glad that I was able to get my Chinese Democracy vinyl from behind my dresser, which fell behind there years ago and when I just moved. Uh, I was able to get it, but. I think as far as, um, I mean, I got my, I have a Guns N' Roses shirt that was signed by Slash and Duff, and I got to meet them uh, at a Velvet Revolver show, and it was at the, uh, the Starland Ballroom in New Jersey. I probably have a See, I can't compete with Wembley. I've been to Starland Ballroom in New Jersey.
2: <laughs> oh no! But I would love to go to New Jersey, and I would love to go to to, to New York. You know, um, if I ever do, you know, I do plan. I know CBGB's isn't there, but I will go. I will pay homage to it if I ever go to uh, to New York, and we do intend to go at some stage.
1: No, you should. You know,
2: I mean, obviously I'm just a jaded New
1: Yorker, so it's all, you know, I'm just used to it, and I'm just angry everywhere. Just, it's so many people, so many buildings, so many lights, mm-hmm. I just want to be left alone, but that's just me and my problem. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, I th- maybe I said this in the earlier podcast, but it was, it was like me and four or five of my friends, we drove down from Long Island to New Jersey uh, to see Velvet, and since we got general admission uh, seats... For lack of a better word, tickets. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I got right up front. Uh, at the time, with my physical disability, I was still able to kind of have general admission, and as long as I was holding on to the front railing, I was all right. So, yeah. I, that, for a variety of reasons, I wanted to be right up front. So we were maybe like second in line, third in line, and then all of a sudden, I see you know a bunch of kids like running behind the building. Like the Starland Ballroom is in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey. And I my friends held my place and I went back around the building to see what was going on. And it was Slash and Duff signing autographs just to get off the bus. I mean, no, wow. nobody else. I mean, I don't know where Scott was or Dave Kushner, uh, but or Matt Sorum. But it was just uh, Slash and, and Duff. And I'm like, I didn't have like you're not expecting to sign autographs. But thankfully, somebody had, you know, a silver uh, Sharpie. I mean, yeah. obviously expecting that and somebody actually had the nerve to shove a white guitar forgive me because i'm not a guitarist of, of what kind of guitar it was i guess I remember it being a white guitar uh and, and trying to give it to slash to sign and he's like get that out of here you're just going to put it up on ebay i mean mm-hmm. who brings a fully functional guitar to a rock show unless you're expecting to get an autograph so i thought that was kind of funny uh, yeah. and I made, when I finally got to actually do have pictures of these, these were, you know, I think with my old, uh, uh Blackberry, uh, of these, uh, not great quality, but I still have these, these moments me with my, my hair has moved down, sma- uh, moved down South. I had, had long hair and, and no <laughs> beard at the time. Happens to us all. I know. So I, I went up to, to Duff and before I, it was my turn for an autograph. Somebody asked him to autograph uh, their hand. Just like, can you sign my hand? And Duff's like, what are you going to do with that? And I said, well, you don't want to know. <laughs> and everybody laughed. <laughs> so I made Duff laugh. And then when I put out the, I kind of pulled out my shirt and it was the, the uh, AFD cross on it. And Duff went to go sign by his face, of course. And like an idiot, I corrected him. I'm like, no, it's this one. It's the blonde one. He's like, no, that's Steven. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like in oh, 80, I, I, was, I was correcting him <laughs> on which cross face he was, like a moron. But know, obviously both nice enough. So that's actually still framed. So yeah, probably, uh, you know, probably that one. That was my my favorite uh, piece of memory, junior, memorabilia. Yeah, I, co-
2: I caught Velvet Revolver twice. They played, um, they played uh, Newcastle Arena. I can't remember what year it was. Um, and they were absolutely fantastic. And then a few years later, on, on when they came over with Libertad, they played uh, smaller venues. And again, I went with my friend and um, house lights went down and there was a mad surge. We were probably, say, middle of the hall at the time. There was a mad surge forward and me and my friend ended up stage right, right in front of the slash, on the barrier, holding on for life for 90 minutes and it was hard work. It was because everybody wanted... I've got... I think I've got two decent shots of Slash and one decent one of Duff. I'll, I'll, I'll stick it, I'll send it to you if I find them. Right on. It's on my laptop somewhere but uh, buried amongst all me. Right on.
1: I was the same thing when I saw Velvet that night. I was holding on for dear life. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was Scott Weiland, I mean, I, I was a fan before but that night, he completely, I'm like, he is icon status and yeah. I, I remember <laughs> one of my friends I was with, I mean, you know, I was talking about the kind of person who brings a guitar to a, a general admission show. Somebody, like some pregnant woman, was trying to make her way to the front, and by accident, my friend elbowed her in the face. By accident. Oh, no, not good. I'm sorry, and he almost got into a fight, but my friend is not the kind of person, A, to get into a fight or elbow a pregnant woman. But come on, you got to be more careful than that. If you're pregnant, you got to be... You got to be careful. <laughs> you don't want to accidentally go into labor uh, during a Velvet no. Revolver show. That might be a, a cause a, a lot of problems. Great story, <laughs> but a lot of problems. Uh, uh, of course, yeah. David, this was this was really cool. I hope we get to, to do this again. Um, I'm certainly going to get talk to more listeners and, and fans like you to kind of get their Guns N' Roses experience and kind of bring us all together in this appetite for the distortion community. And uh, again, just thanks for your time and you know just. Uh, you know, sure. if, if fans want to, I mean, I don't know how, are you a very public social media person? If, if anyone wants to talk GNR with you or, um, you,
2: yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm not sure what my privacy settings are at the minute. I'm on Instagram, uh, super furry chub. Uh, that's a long super, story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And I'm also on Twitter as, uh, well, I think I might be super furry chub on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. So yeah nice. um yeah I'm always happy to talk uh, music with anybody really it's it's my passion in life I've I I've, I've, I've got into it when I was when I was nine year old you know and uh, I, I still listen to music every day I've got a have got a real passion for new music I'm always looking for something new to listen to right
1: on so David, you are a Dave excuse me you're officially bad apple. <laughs> you're a bad apple <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for your time man. Oh, Thanks very much, and uh, keep up the good work. I really enjoy your podcast. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. So that does it for episode 153 of Appetite for Distortion. That was fun. These fan obsessions. Fans. <laughs> Decided to uh, add some live reverb or echo to the, uh, the soundbite. Uh, but... We did them earlier on in the podcast, talking to you, the listener, the Guns N' Roses fan, and I miss it. I really enjoy talking to you on Facebook, facebook.com slash the AFD show, or on Twitter at the AFD show. But there's, of course, a different element when we get to share the experience on a podcast, and you get to share that experience with all my listeners so I think that's a really fun. So keep those messages coming, and we'll we will do more fan obsessions. Absolutely. As far as future guests, I will tell you because this one is in the can, and I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, it is Desmond Child, Grammy award winning, uh, Oscar nominated, you know, songwriter for the stars in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He's written so many mega hits for Bon Jovi, Aerosmith. Ricky Martin. So we're going to see if there's any GNR tie in there as well. And uh, since that's gonna, that is a shorter interview, we will do another fan obsession for that episode. Sound good? So in the meantime, however you listen whether it be on uh, the iHeartRadio podcast, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh Spotify, if you found us through alternativenation.net, please tell a friend, subscribe, and perhaps maybe you will be the next guest on the AFD show. And look at that. Dave gets to tell all his friends, I was on a podcast with Sheila E. I mean, thats I think that's pretty cool. You know, maybe it wasn't directly. It wasn't like a talk show where you're on the same couch together. But still, he's forever on a podcast with Sheila E. So somebody will be on the podcast with a Desmond Child. And you get to brag to all your friends and... And share these stories, uh, not just with with me, because I appreciate those of you who inbox me, uh, but you get to share it with all your fellow Guns N' Roses fans uh, on a podcast. So I, I try to be as creative with this podcast as much as possible. It's it's one thing making it a Guns N' Roses uh, focused or centered uh, you know broadcast, but to involve you, the listener, is is something that I don't think many broadcasts. Do and uh, that's something that I I hope uh, continues to separate this show from the pack. So please tell a friend about this podcast. They they may uh, just they may not be as big as as a Guns N' Roses fan as you or I, but maybe they're a Prince fan. Maybe you want to tell them about the Sheila E. interview. We got something for everybody, but again, the nucleus of it all is Guns N' Fucking Roses. Exactly. So again, that does it for this edition of the uh, the AFD show. When will you see the next episode? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if as soon as the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm
2: going home.